Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I'm Dave Delaney. If you haven't noticed, we've taken a little bit of a hiatus over the last several months. Uh, A big revelation was found. I have ADHD, and that explains a whole lot. And of course, naturally, as a veteran podcaster, I started another podcast all about it, and it's called ADHD Wise Squirrels, and you can find it at wisequirrels.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Just search ADHD Wise Squirrels. Pop over and have a listen. Let me know what you think. Thanks. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. People attend the virtual meetings. They attend the keynotes. They attend the breakouts. But then as soon as that's over, they're off doing emails. They're off doing the rest of their day job. Yeah. So missing that time, quite honestly, at the bar or at receptions or whatever, that really hurts that camaraderie that you can build. Um when you have it. So I I think live events are coming back. I think they'll come back strong. Nice. 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 Nice with Dave Delaney. Welcome to the Nice Podcast, the podcast all about communication, collaboration, and becoming better leaders. Today, I'm chatting with Pat Owings, who owns 12 Point Signworks, Redwoods Management, and Oak Ridge Association Management in the greater Tennessee, Nashville sort of area. (laughs) Pat, welcome to the Nice Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to uh, to having you on. We had a little chat a couple of weeks back, and uh, yeah, it sounded like you were you were doing some great stuff. So I have to start by asking you the question that I always ask my guests, or one of the questions I always ask my guests, which is, "What is the nicest thing someone has done for you recently?" Uh, you know, honestly, it's the gentleman who sold us Twelve Point Signworks. Um, when it came on the market, it didn't last long, probably less than a week. Hmm. Uh, he interviewed several different people and chose us based on the way that our morals and our ethics aligned with his and has really given us a tremendous foundation to kind of launch this, this company. So thrilled to death with him. So hands down, uh, it would be Murray Johns, the, the prior owner of 12 Point. Tell me a little bit about 12 Point. What, what is it that you do there? So 12-point signworks manufactures signs pretty much and environmental graphics for pretty much just about anything. Probably our largest clients tend to be in the architectural space or banking, for example. So anytime they're changing any type of signs or branding, uh, they call us. We work with them from uh, kind of soup to nuts, Mm. beginning to end on help them through their design, roll out the graphics, which could be everything from actual signage that's printed to vinyl graphics to, again, environmental graphics, 3D modeling, those types of things. So uh, they, it's an amazing business based out of Franklin. Yeah, that's great. And Franklin, for those listening, is a, a little community just outside of Nashville. It's also a just great place to great place to raise a family and to visit and things. Uh, I really like Franklin a lot. So, yeah. So, so, and how long have you been doing this now with, with Simon? so 12 point, we just became owners, uh, April 11th. Okay. Um, Oak Ridge and Redwoods management. I've had those for a few years now. And with, uh, 12 point, what were some of the biggest, uh, you know, uh, challenges in, in taking over there and running things? Sure. So anytime, obviously you take over a business, right? There are challenges. There are cultural challenges, uh, there's obviously a lot of insecurity that comes from the staff wondering, you know, new ownership, what are their plans? Are they looking to grow? Are they looking to divest? What are they looking to do with the organization? Hmm. So obviously getting a hold of them and wrapping our arms around them and letting them know exactly what our plans were, where we were headed, what our goals were, how we were planning to get there. Uh, in this particular case, it was, it's clearly a, a method or a message of growth. And, you know, everybody was staying, everybody, nobody's job was in jeopardy. You know, there were always, as always, there's realignments that are going to happen a little bit. Roles are going to shift a little bit here and there. But uh, laying out the vision to them was key. 
And had you had that experience of doing that with the, uh, with, uh, Redwood and Oak Ridge before or. Yeah. Uh, Oak Ridge was another acquisition that we made actually just over three years ago now. Uh, so same type of thing where we acquired them in that case, we moved them to a different facility. Hmm. So not only was the commute different, but obviously management was different. So painting the picture, picture to them and letting them know where we were headed was going to be key to the success of the organization. Redwood's a little different. Redwood's, we started from the ground up. Hmm. So the vision was always kind of there. And the team that's been brought in and built, helped build it up, always kind of knew exactly where we were headed. Hmm. And so what, t- what type of work, uh, what, what does Redwood, uh, Redwoods do and Oak Ridge do? Sure. So Redwoods Holdings uh, does accounting back-end services. So bookkeeping, governance, those types of things hmm. for small businesses. So companies that generally are bigger than a mom and pop but not so big that they have in-house accounting services. So they kind of serve, fill that gap. And then it ties very well into uh, Oak Ridge Association Management Company, which is an association management organization where, again, same type of thing. An association grows. It needs some management, but not large enough to have their own management team. So they fill that gap, help run uh, you know, board meetings, help plan events, run the entire organization for them. As part of that, Many times they need financial assistance uh, and bookkeeping management as well. So um, Oak Ridge is actually Redwood's largest client. Okay. Okay. And and when you when you acquire a business, how you know what are some tips that or some things that you've learned in your experience of of reassuring you know uh, team members that uh, everything's okay? <laughs> sure. Sure. So you know as you would expect, right? Whenever you acquire a business. There's obviously a lot of uncertainty on their side. They're going to be asking a lot of questions and you're going to give them answers and they're going to listen kind of, they're going to hear them, but they're really looking for your actions. So, you know, my, my biggest thing is, is just do what you say, right? Mm -hmm. So you can go in, you can promise all types of things, what exactly improvements you're going to do, but they're going to watch every little thing you do. So no matter how small of a a commitment you make, you need to make sure you stay to it because they're going to be judging that and then looking for how, how accurately you follow what you say you're going to follow. That's the first piece. The other piece, especially like with 12 point that we just did was really getting the staff involved, listening to their ideas, what's working, what isn't working, what do they see as better? How do we better the team? You know, these people are incredibly talented, incredibly uh, dedicated to their jobs. They know that particular business better than I do at this point. So listening to them, getting their feedback. And again, Obviously, everybody comes at it from their own angle, but you've got to kind of see where the patterns are and then drive it in that particular direction. And is there a way to uh, measure sort of sentiment uh, among team members? Like after a while, I know like through 12 point, I mean, this is something relatively new for you since April. So, but maybe with uh, with uh, Redwoods or Oak Ridge. Sure. I mean, there's always ways to measure sentiment. So we'll, we'll start with 12 point because we've actually gotten some good feedback initially. Mm which is, is as we came in and we started to grow, um, we got out obviously to the market to hire new people. And much to my surprise and pleasure, they, they have brought in their friends. Right? Huh. The team has come to me and brought people from their past that they trust and shows a great deal of trust in us, which is the highest compliment that they could give me at this point. So very, very pleased with the fact that they're willing to go out on a limb with people they know and say, hey, this is a good place to work. This is where you want to come. Hmm. On the Oak Ridge side and on the Redwood side, some of that's similar. Again, if they're willing to bring in people they know, specifically on the Redwood side, almost all of the uh, team members have been brought in by referral. On the Oak Ridge side, some of it's been referral, but it's it's a little bit, maybe one level removed where they've reached out to people in the community that may, they maybe don't know one-on-one, but that are in similar situations, um, servicing similar types of clients and brought them in. So again, anytime your employees can, for lack of a better word, vet some of your potential future employees, it really helps. And it really helps from a cultural standpoint, because that's what I preach at all three of them is, is, you know, we don't want to change the culture. We want people who are going to fit this culture, who are going to perform in this culture, and who are going to like this culture. And like any culture, it's not for everybody, right? There are certain people who fit this culture better than others. Hmm. And and what are some, some things that you, you're, you advocate for in building a, a good culture or sustaining a good culture? Sure. So, you know, 
hands down, honesty is my number one thing. I, probably honest to a fault. Uh, I share a lot of information with my team, everything from financial information to, you know, obviously growth plans, what management's thinking, where we're headed. I open myself up for feedback for them to be involved. I want them to have that ownership mentality that says, yes, this is what, you know, we like about the organization. This is where we'd like to drive it. Mm. So that's a piece. Then the other thing with it gets tied into, you know, how can we make it better? How can we really strike? And I know everybody says this and it's a little cliche, but how do we strike that work-life balance? Mm. Right. As a matter of fact, I just had a, a meeting this morning with a member of the 12 point team where the discussion was really about setting boundaries on them because they've got their work-life balance out of whack and they're spending so much time at work that it's affecting their personal life. Mm. So I'm setting boundaries on them where I'm actually refusing for them to work during certain hours because they need to spend that time at home. Yeah, that's great. With the, as far as work-life balance challenges go, uh, you know, I would imagine part of that is is a result of the pandemic. Is that right? Sure, absolutely, right. And yeah. everybody's trying to get back into work. You know, and again, I'm kind of split on the twelve point side where we're actually doing installs and building signage. They're back at work. They're back in the office, so they're kind of back to almost normal. Whereas on the Redwoods and Oak Ridge side, they're both still all working from home. Mm. And so from working from home, you know, they do miss that in-office experience. And I think ultimately we'll end up having some sort of a, even if it's on a part-time basis, in-office experience. Because even though you have Zoom and you have all these ways to communicate better than ever, there's still something about being face-to-face and having that human contact that uh, is missing, honestly, from, from Zoom calls. Yeah, a lot of the or some of the workshops and and uh, keynote you know presentations that I deliver, I've done uh, for companies doing company retreats and things, and kind of getting getting team members together, especially when they're they might be across the country or in you know other markets, kind of bringing them together, especially if they already work remotely, get them together you know once or twice a year for a, an in-person thing and maybe even doing it, you know, elsewhere, somewhere, you know, somewhere where there's cocktails and palm trees or something. <laughs> Absolutely. I think one of the things, so just a little more background, right. I came out of the event world, um, had was part of a fairly substantial event company here in Nashville that just basically got crushed by COVID. Mm. And one of the things that, you know, obviously we tried to do like so many others was to go into virtual meetings yeah. And the thing that I think people just didn't get is that people attend the virtual meetings, they attend the keynotes, they attend the breakouts, but then as soon as that's over, they're off doing emails, they're off doing the rest of their day job. Yeah. So missing that time, quite honestly, at the bar or at receptions or whatever, that really hurts that camaraderie that you can build um, when you have it. So I, I think live events are coming back. I think they'll come back strong. I think that... Uh, you know, again, in-person meetings are coming back. I've yet to have an in-person meeting I've requested that's been declined. Uh, I think people are anxious for it to come back for sure. Yeah, I'm already starting to book in-person speaking and engagements again. And this is such a nice relief <laughs> for a, yes. a person who speaks for a living and who has been staring at a webcam for the last, you know, 12 plus months. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's hard to tell when your jokes, if your jokes bomb, or or if they <laughs> or if they land when you when you're just staring at a camera. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> do you do any stuff like that, like retreats or bringing people together in town? Or yeah, so absolutely, right? We, uh, you know, we used to do an annual retreat again back at the event company. We did annual retreats all the time. Mm. We. Uh, you know, the plan is, is for 12 point to have an annual retreat. Once we get through about the first six months, we'll plan an annual retreat. Yeah. Again, just trying to get everybody settled. And again, you know, other things like going to sounds games, which is our local baseball team. That's, you know, very important. Getting time with them outside of the office as a group where they can be casual, have conversations and really build those relationships is going to be key. Hey, you're listening to the nice podcast with Dave Delaney. That's me. Visit futureforth.com to learn how we can transform the communication at your organization. 
And if you need a speaker for your next online event or your in-person conference, are we doing in-person conferences yet? Uh, soon, I hope. Uh, you can visit DaveDelaneySpeaks.com and uh, you'll learn more about working with me there. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, I, I worked for Clint Smith over at Emma uh, here in Nashville a million years ago. And uh, when we were in a house in Hillsborough Village, a tiny little house, and uh, and one weekend, I remember, or one Friday or something, they rented out the Belcourt Cinema, the Belcourt Theater here in, in Nashville, which is a great for, you know, listeners, it's a really great independent, uh, theater. And, and, uh, at the time guitar hero was like the video game everybody loved. And so we had guitar hero on the big screen, uh, and and got to, yeah, it was just fun to like hang out and bring, you know, my kids were there. So it was nice to kind of bring the families as well. So, um, the sounds, sounds idea is a, is a sound idea. Yeah. And just, just like you said, families are key, right? I mean, yeah. these, especially like in, in my world, again, if you go back to 12 point, you know, right now I've got guys spread all over the country doing mm. installs. Mm. Um, their families make a lot of sacrifices for them to be able to do that. And so we are always cognizant to recognize the families and thank them for what they've done and what they put up with. Because, you know, while obviously the guys are putting in the time, there are plenty of sacrifices going on on the home front as well. How are some uh, ways or what are some ways to, to recognize families? So obviously it depends. And we, we actually send out a survey to each of our staff members that ask that particular question. So, you know, obviously in some cases, wives like flowers or whatever, or, you know, candy or whatever it may be. In other cases, they want a dinner out. So they get gift cards and those types of things to their Mm. favorite restaurants. Right. And then sometimes, again, it's about having that, those group get togethers where it be sounds games, Christmas parties, whatever it may be, where we can bring everybody together and just really do a, a huge thank you. Again, in, in my past, some of the things we've done, um, you know, it's like doing the Christmas party, but doing it in places like Dave and Buster's where obviously everybody brings their kids and their kids have a good time as well. And there's things for the kids to do. We always try to make sure that they're, they get included and it's not just a quote unquote adult Christmas party. Yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, if, and speaking as a, as a father myself, like yeah, if the kids are having fun, then we're having fun too. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because they, you know, they do wonder where mom and dad go every day, right? And where they spend a lot of hours, mm-hmm. and you know why mom and dad worry so much about their jobs and what they've got to get done, and you know, especially as COVID has kind of blurred the lines from, you know, working from home, and you know, you're up late at night working still. You know, it's clearly important to recognize those families and the family support for sure. Yeah, it's interesting how yeah, I, I've been working from home uh, and for myself for a little over a decade now. And um, so I this was this was easy for me because I was I was used to it to an extent, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, I speak to a lot of people, whether it's clients or audiences or or, um, you know, friends even. And we talk about the yeah working from home and those challenges of of making sure that you set office hours and then, you know, shut it down uh, at the end of the day so that you're not on, you know, one more thing in the middle of the night from your bed kind of thing on your laptop. Well, and it, it, that is a tough thing, right? Because I try to make myself available to my team 24 seven. They know they can call me 24 seven and ask questions, but I'm very adamant that uh, they know that I do not expect that from them. That essentially five, five thirty in the evening, I'm done. Yep. If I send you an email, I do not expect it answered. I do not expect emails answered if I send them over the weekend. I know in theory, I should not be doing that as well. So it's a little bit, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of thing. Sure. But I, I try very hard to make sure that I'm there for them at all times, but also make sure they know that that is not the expectation on them. There's got to be this work-life balance. Absolutely. Yeah, not for sure. The, uh, you said you, you have uh, experience in the event world. What kind of, what kind of work were you doing there? So we were doing, we were essentially a destination management company. So basically what that means is, is you're an event planner, but you're an event planner focused on one location, in this case, Nashville. Mm-hmm. So large groups like a GE or pretty much any other company who would bring a group to town would hire us to plan their event in town, which could be everything from transportation to, uh, you know, obviously planning the event itself. And that could be an awards dinner or the like, as well as planning all their meals 
in some cases, planning their hotels, but then also planning, you know, fun events, basically retreat type events. Again, depends on the group of what that would be, but, and it, we've done everything from extremely large scale birthday parties all the way to incentive trips that have taken us all across the state of Tennessee and actually into North Carolina, hmm. where we have, uh, you know, it was an incentive trip for an insurance company that, uh, you know, initially they wanted to ride motorcycles all the way across. We convinced them out of that, um, <laughs> to just drive Mustangs and Camaros, which was a little safer, but still yeah. you know, they happen to be from New Zealand. So there was obviously risk associated with that as well. But, uh, you know, we just engaged people, made sure they had a good time, made sure they understood how appreciated they were by the sponsoring company and always delivered them, you know, phenomenal results. And again, Nashville's a great town for that to be in. Obviously, yeah. COVID just made it take a little bit of a break. Yeah. Yeah. And what were, what were some of the challenges with that, with that space for, you know, either as it, as we went into COVID, but even before that, perhaps? Even before that, yeah, there's always a challenge that, you know, it's, it's a service-based business as, you know, that's one of the challenges of a service-based business is people seeing, you know, are you bringing enough value? We, we got a lot of, you know, people who would call up, request information, want us to put together an event for them, and then would try to go out and obviously source it on their own on Google and how can we do this cheaper, how yeah. get, get rid of that. So that was always a challenge. Yeah. But for the most part, you know, most of them were professional meeting planners that we were dealing with. They understood the value that we brought. Um, they were willing to pay for that. And so obviously that was tremendously helpful. And yeah, go on. Oh, go ahead. No, go on. No, I was just going to say that the other challenge is, is just, you know, the hours that go into it because almost all those events happen, you know, usually during the day at events, as most people know, you're in session. And then at night is when all the fun happens, which is great. But when you're the ones putting it on, you've got people out there at all hours of the day. Hmm. And so, and to be honest, largely a large female base and keeping them safe and, you know, mm -hmm. in good areas was always key as well. So you, you have quite an eclectic uh, background professionally. What, like, what, <laughs> you know, from, from all sorts of different uh, areas here. So sure. what's, what's kind of the driving force in, in you, you know, determining, you know, what's next or what type of businesses that you, you uh, play a role in or, or lead? Should sure. Say. So interestingly enough, if you, if you go back to my very earliest days, I spent the first 10 years of my career working in public relations for a petroleum company which uh, has its challenges, of course. But, you know, one of the things about it was it had the event piece very much like I came back to. And believe it or not, had a lot of things tied in very closely to what 12 Point Sign Works is like. You know, really what I love is I love business, right? It doesn't really matter what I'm doing as far as that goes. It's about trying to make the employees' lives better, bringing them up, letting them be the best that they can be, letting them achieve things that they don't think is possible. That's actually my greatest reward is when I can take somebody who doesn't think that they can do something mm. and I'm able to, through coaching and guidance, get them to do things that they never thought were possible. And in doing that, helping them obviously better their own life. That's really what kind of drives me to do this. Uh, you know, fortunately I've been bl and blessed in my life that, you know, I've never had to really worry about, having a job worried about that piece of it. I've mm. been, you know, blessed in that respect. And to give some of that back to others by creating environments that are, you know, safe and, you know, areas that they can grow, that they can be the best person that they can possibly be and achieve things again, that they never thought were possible. That's really where the excitement comes from me. And again, depending on which industry it is, they're all, it's all still business, right? It's all the same. It's all people who are, as I tell my team all the time, I expect them to work to live, not live to work. Right. And mm -hmm. so finding that balance. And again, I, you know, we could be on the call for another couple of hours. If I told you all the times I put work ahead of family and I don't want other people to make that same mistake. Yeah. Right. Um, it, my wife's a trooper. She's made it through a lot with me. Um, but I don't want to see others have to make those choices where they're so fearful for their job that they put their family at risk. There really has to be that balance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I, I've, I've struggled with that a little bit too early on for sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so you've, 
so you've worked in, in an array of different spaces. And as far sure. as, as far as the focus being really on, on, you know, building great cultures and, and, and really empowering your, your team members to, to do their best work and, and to enjoy what they're doing. Are there some, some tips you have there for, for maybe helping or mentoring uh, team members? Sure. So the first part is, is that's a big part of my job, right? When people kind of think about what is my job, what is it I do? As a leader of an organization, a big part of it is, is I'm there to take care of my people, right? My people will take care of the clients and the clients in turn will take care of the company. It's kind of just the way that I, I view it. What that means, and this is always easier said than done. So I don't want to, you know, say, oh, well, this is a piece of cake, right? But you've got to make time for your, your team. I have one-on-ones all the time with my team. Anytime anybody wants a one-on-one, I make myself available as quickly as possible. I'm a one-on-one type of a guy. I don't generally like to do it in a group setting of, you know, 10 or 12, because I find that people are more honest if they're one-on-one. They'll, they'll share things with me that they won't necessarily share with others if others are in the room. So it's all about understanding what drives each individual person. And again, what can make that individual person the best person of themselves. So I spend a lot of one-on-one time with my team. I would say every day, in all honesty, I probably spend between three and four hours with, with a various team members, hmm. one-on-one, really understanding what their goals are. And again, they vary as much as people vary, right? I've got some that are in school that are trying to get better, that are looking for opportunities inside the organization to move up. I've got others that kind of just want to maintain, still want to learn, still want to be educated and that leads to another one. Education is a huge part of what I try to instill in my teams. doesn't matter how old you are, but you've got to continue to learn to stay relevant. And again, it depends on what the situation is. Obviously, in the accounting piece of it, it's all about staying up with the latest and changes in the, in the tax law. On the sign world, it's the latest and greatest materials. What are people doing? How are they being more creative? So education plays a huge role. But back to the team spending time with them, listening to them, and again, doing what you say you're going to do. So like when I say that, uh, you know, family's important, I mean just that. If there's a family issue that one of my team members have, they know that it comes first. I don't care what they've got to work on. We will find another way to get it done. And to be honest, I think our customers respect that, their understanding of it. I mean, nobody likes to miss deadlines, obviously. But if there's a serious family situation and that person needs to be there, customers are understanding. I mean, obviously, we do everything in our power not to miss a deadline. But, you know, families have to come first. We're no good without these team members. And in turn, you know, that builds loyalty from the team for sure. And they come back to us and are eternally grateful that we are able to give them this time. So there's never really, you know, it's funny. People talk about, oh, you know, there's unlimited PTO time. Is that really, is that true or not? We don't give unlimited PTO, but the reality is, is if somebody needs the time off and they're out of PTO, I'm still going to give them the time off Mm -hmm. because family is that important to us as a rule. So it's all about taking care of your people. And, you know, the rest of my day is clearly about, setting precedent and making decisions that are guiding in line with the company principles. And again, there are people, so there are people who are going to make mistakes. You know, part of the discussion I had today with my, with one of my team members was, you know, the whole good cop, bad cop. I will always be the bad cop. Hmm. I don't have a problem doing that. I don't want my team members to be put in that position where they're the bad cop. So let the bad cop piece of it fall onto me. And so when we get a customer complaint, and it does happen as much as no one likes it, right? It does happen where you get customer complaints. I'm the first one to jump on the phone with the client, discuss through it, find a resolution. It's really what my role is. Again, it's just to take care, take care of the team and the rest will fall into place. You talked about education a little bit. Are there ways that you, like, are there specific tactics or ways that you help uh, your team members, uh, you know, gain knowledge uh, through third party kind of stuff, like, you know, whether it's sending them to trade shows and conferences when, you know, before came up uh, the pandemic, of course, sure. <laughs> or, or books or, or actual education, like school, college degrees, that kind of thing. Yeah. So all the above, right. Yeah. We encourage all of it. So I've got members who are in college that are studying 
for their bachelor's. I've got others that are studying for their master's. But some of it's just like you said, some of it's industry specific training that may go on that may not re- result in a degree, but it you know it could be a certificate or the like. We're big into certifications, right? So if there's a certification that someone can get, we're all about that. We will almost always pay for that once they achieve it. Uh, we reimburse them for that amount. We want them to continually strive better, right? That reminds me of a meme I've seen uh, probably on LinkedIn. I don't know. You may have even posted one up, right? That basically <laughs> has the CFO going in and saying, you know, what happens if we train all these people and they leave? And the CEO says, what happens if we don't and they stay? Right. right? So I very much subscribe to that. And it's like, yeah, okay. If, if we don't educate our team, if we live in fear of educating our team that they might leave, it's going to really put us behind the eight ball. Yeah. And, you know, our goal is very simple. We've got to be the best company we can be. Not that we don't focus on competition because we do, but we don't make it a priority to focus on competition. We're looking at what are best practices in the industry across all the companies. What are the best practices in the industry? How do we make ourselves better? How do we make ourselves stronger? And how do we really make each individual team member the strongest that they could possibly be? Yeah. 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 I did. Uh, I, I've heard some interesting feedback on over the years from people, from clients about LinkedIn. And, and I remember hearing from some senior management uh, complaining that like they noticed their team members are using LinkedIn pretty frequently and they were worried about them using it to, to look for jobs and not, mm-hmm. not understanding that they were using it because it's such a powerful networking tool to use it in a, in a sales uh, way. And, and they just, they banned, uh, they banned LinkedIn at the company. They're like, do not use LinkedIn because they were so paranoid that they were leaving. And, and I explained to the guy, I, I said, you know, if you are so worried that your team members are jumping ship, then you should be focused less on LinkedIn and more on your culture and why they would be jumping ship if that is the case. Right. <laughs> and that's exactly it. Right. Make the company the best company it could be and don't give them an excuse to leave. Yeah. Right? Now, obviously life happens. People relocate, family matters come up. People are going to leave always. You hate to see it, but it happens. But all you can do is make the culture so good that they want to stay. Mm-hmm. And again, that kind of comes back to this person I had the meeting with this morning where they looked at me and said, I don't want to go anywhere. And that, that tells me we're on the right track. We're mm-hmm. not there. We still got work to do. We're far from perfect, but they can see that we're headed in the right direction, that we're working to make it better, Yeah. that we are trying to make it stronger. And again, you've got to bring everybody along when you make it stronger. You can't leave anybody out. Everybody has to come. Everybody has to be willing to grow. And I'll be honest, not everybody is willing to do that. And that's okay, right? Because we go back to good to great. They're, they're probably they shouldn't be on the bus, right? Sure. So there are going to be transitions out for sure. So I don't want it to appear like it's always just perfect in Disneyland. But, you know, there are, transitions and people grow and people can grow. But if you make yourself the best, and I know you and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, right? With the event company, we were voted uh, best place to work in Nashville for two years in a row mm-hmm. prior to COVID. Yeah. Part of it's building that culture where people want to come to work for you. That's going to raise who comes to you as well. And you're just going to continue to get better and better and better as an organization. And yes, is there an investment? There is, right? It is not inexpensive to do this, right? It's about offering good benefits, right? Again, time off, balance of work, life balance, all of those things, making it good. And it's crazy the things that people think. People always think it's about money and money plays a role. Don't get me wrong, but it's amazing what little things do. We're one of those companies where we provide free snacks to the employees, Honestly, it's probably less than $20 every two weeks for us. But the joy that it brings them and the happiness that it brings them way offsets the money, right? And it again, you got to kind of balance it a little bit because you don't want them to get in a position where they try to take advantage. But what I have found is, is that people are really good about it, which leads me in another thing. You can let me know if we're not supposed to go down this <laughs> no, path, but, no. you know, one of the other things I try very hard to do is, you know, obviously I'm not a dictator by any stretch inside the organization, probably just the opposite. I try very much to get the team to think, get the team to come up with the ideas and get the team to hold each other accountable. 
because if the team holds them accountable, they're going to know about things going on long before it ever hits my desk. And they're going to correct each other inside the organization. Now, you know, you don't want to get into schoolyard bullying or anything like that. But, mm. you know, when you can kind of see the organization kind of self-managing itself, that's a great thing. You still, as a leader, have to set the overall vision, the overall goals, and keep the balance in the organization. But you're never going to see everything. And it's much better when, you know, it's like, hey, don't do that. We've got a really good thing here. That's going to screw that up. That helps a lot in, in keeping them on track. Yeah, that's a great that's a great uh, piece of feedback. Great tip as well as trying to, yeah, trying to guide your your team members into self monitoring and kind of keeping keeping track. Are there some tactics to that as far as maybe setting public goals within a department so that everybody's sort of on the same page or or. So yeah, absolutely that, right? So I have department meetings, right? And again, it, it's a balance, right? That I can't, I can't stress that enough. It's all about balance. You can't go too extreme one way or the other. You've got to have enough meetings that they know you're engaged. But in those meetings, and again, this the team of 12 point is just learning this with me. I'm not there to run the meeting, right? I'm there to moderate the meeting, basically. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm kind of in it, but I really want to hear them speak. Again, they know the business better than I do. They've been doing it for years, most of them their entire lives. They have a ton of great ideas that for one reason or another, they've either shared in the past and it didn't get implemented or they didn't feel comfortable in sharing. So it's an open forum for them to discuss these things. And again, people are smarter than I think a lot of people give them credit for, right? They understand we can't just do everything. Hmm. They understand that there's you know a limited amount of capital, that there's a limited amount of space, right? That there are going to have to be priorities when they contribute sitting around that environment. And I honestly, I just did this with my production team last week where we sat around the table. There were a couple of guys who were fairly silent. I specifically called on them and said, Hey, yeah, I need your feedback too. And they're like, yeah, well, you know, we're entry level employees. We really don't have much to say. No, you do because I need to see it from your perspective. Cause I don't. So getting them to engage, and the other thing that this results in that's just a beautiful thing is it gets them to think when they're out on the floor, they're working, how do I improve this, right? So they're not always just looking for me for answers. They're not coming to me saying, hey, you know, we have problem X. How do we solve it? It's, hey, we have problem X. We think the solution is Y and Z. Here's the benefits of both. What do you think is a better solution? And we can have a conversation. Again, it's not that I'm going to dictate what the solution is. My team knows that as long as you can justify why you made a decision, you're not going to get in trouble. Mm -hmm. Right? It happens. We're all human. We're all making mistakes. Sometimes they're costly. I get it. I don't like them any more than the next person. Either do they. They don't like to make mistakes. But they hate being reprimanded for them or being made feel worse than they already do. I find that most people are their own worst critics. Hmm. So it's about embracing them, letting them know that it's okay, finding a corrective action, and then guiding them on how not to create that same situation again. And obviously, if the same situation is continuing to happen, you have a different set of problems. Right. But you know, a lot of these people have incredible ability, and you just really need to empower them. Yeah. And again, yeah. some of that's keeping the ego out of it as well. But, but I like, I like the fact that you embrace failure that way because that does lead to innovation too, right? Like you wouldn't innovate if you didn't fail, <laughs> you know, right. along the way. Exactly. That's how, that's how these, these things happen. And, and especially in a, in a business like yours, I mean, there's always, innovations there's always new uh techniques for, for and I'm, it's, it's not my industry but new techniques and signage i, I think of vehicle sure. wraps you know i remember wraps Absolutely. i wrapped a vehicle many years ago um but for for uh for an event but yeah so uh, yeah it, you have to be you have to be open to that and i like the point about you know if that failure keeps happening that that's a big red flag right there sure. but yeah, to to at least empower people enough to take some risks and to, you know, some reasonable risks uh, to lead to good things. That's that's a great idea. 
So and that, here's, here's another example that I think is pertinent, right? So when we came in, we have a particular client, obviously, who will remain nameless, who's an incredibly difficult client and, quite honestly, a bad fit for us. Hmm. The team has been saying this for years, and we continue to work with them. I basically terminated the relationship with the client in a very professional, nice manner, mm-hmm. right? No hard feelings. Yeah. But we're not a great fit for them. Yeah. Client understands it. I understand it. It means the world of the team. It says, hey, we're not just going to take any piece of business because, you know, we want it or we're desperate or whatever the case might be. It's about setting those boundaries again where you say, hey, you know, this client's a really good fit for us and we love doing business with them. This client, not so much. We probably need to evaluate that. Again, it's not what people think. When I did that, I didn't get a rush of, hey, here's 20 other clients that we need to get rid of. They didn't do that at all. They understand, right? I mean, they understand that money into the organization is what makes it run. But at least they know that in the big scheme of things, we're not going to continue to beat our head against the wall with a client that's not a good client, right? And again, it's nothing personal against this client. We just don't mesh. Yeah. So, you know, it's all just part of the part of that process. And that's true in every industry and in every business, right? So it's a matter of knowing who you are as an organization and standing by that and standing by the principles of the organization. Do you do uh, personality assessments for your team members? So we do. We yeah. have not done it with 12 point yet because it's still new yeah. to us, but we will. I've traditionally either done like disc assessment is kind of my go-to, but you know, we've also done Clifton strengths. Mm-hmm. And I'm open to others as well. I like them. They help. They are a data point. And people who know me say, no, I say this a lot. It's a point. It's not the whole point. It's like looking at financials. Financials tell you one piece. And it's an important piece. But they don't tell you the whole story. Right? And so, but I do think it's interesting when you look at those types of things. I'll talk a little bit about the disc, right? Where I can know how to communicate with them and help them communicate with me both ways, right? I have to give a little, they have to give a little, but at least they know how I like to communicate. And obviously there's an entire circle of ways to communicate and none of them are right. None of them are wrong, but we all have our personal preference. Yeah. And I've had some good conversations on this podcast with uh, Denise Jacobs and uh, Lisa Cummings about, uh, who who spoke at length about uh, personality assessments and and mm-hmm. it's something I'm a big I'm a big believer in as well and a big fan of because um, I think you know some of their points were really about how um, it doesn't it doesn't tell you what you don't already know it just helps you understand it it, it helps you just realize that yes in fact you know if you feel that your strongest uh, you know your strongest strength is communication and you do a personality assessment sure enough communication comes out as you know one of your top strengths uh, it's not so much like oh my god I, I had no idea but rather ah okay yeah so that is my strength um, and I've had those experiences myself doing an array of different a different personality assessments just to see like how they worked for me. Uh, my dad a million years ago was an executive uh, recruiter in Toronto and uh, he did uh, one on me when I was like 20 and I found it a, a couple of years ago um, and it was still quite accurate. I mean, it's not a hundred percent of course, but it was sure. still like a lot of the core stuff was still very much uh, consistent with, uh, with old Dave. So interesting or new yeah, no, younger uh, Dave. And it's interesting how you can change too. If you like specifically on the disc, I've got enough years of history where I've seen my disc profile change slightly. Yeah. Which has kind of changed with the roles and responsibilities I've had. And so I, it's in line with what I would expect, but you know, for me, so, I mean, for those of you who know the disc, right. I'm a, I'm a strong D mm-hmm. like everything in bullet points, which means that if you're a strong S we're exactly opposite in how we communicate, but it just helps me know that if you're a strong S that I need to slow it down and I need to be very, very specific in how I communicate with you and, and give you a lot more detail than is usually running through my mind. Yeah. When so you, it helps a lot. When you roll the, when you roll these out in in the workplace, do you have the team members also like learn learn how to use this information? 
Absolutely. Like I've heard yeah, some yeah. like use a cu- like in if they have cubicles, for example, or desks or whatever, they can actually pin up their strengths uh, above their desk so that, you know, or, or on the outside of a cubicle or an office door or something just to remind their colleagues. Yeah. And that's exactly what we did was we would roll them out. We would put them on the desk again. Honestly, it's good for about a year. Right. Mm-hmm. Until people just don't see them anymore because they walk by them all the time. But sure. You still know. Like I can still think back to when we did the disc at the event company, and I can still tell you virtually what every person was in the organization. Yeah, which just is that nice little trigger in your head when you go in to talk to them. That okay, this is this is how they're going to hear what I have to say. Yep. Right, because you know, being a D again, I communicate in very bullet type forms. Yeah, it's the way I like to communicate, and sometimes I assume everybody's going to pick up everything from that. And it's, it's just not, it's not true. It's not the way it works. <laughs> who, who is someone that was especially nice to you in your career? Ooh, I've had a lot. Um, I've had a lot here. I'm probably going to say the one that comes to mind most is a mentor of mine, which is John Boyens. Um, so John, I don't know if you know John, but John yeah. is a, you know, a sales mentor. I spent a lot of years in sales. John has always been there actually through my entire entrepreneur career to kind of give me guidance, to keep me grounded and to kind of point me in the right direction when I'd kind of been at a crossroads. Now, Hmm. like any mentor, have I taken all of his advice? No. Many times I sit back and think, what if I had taken this advice? How would that have changed my life? You know, that's always a fun exercise, but (laughs) he has just been, uh, you know, I'll say he's taking me under his wing, but he is, he has definitely been there for me at every step and has made a huge difference in my life and just the people he's introduced me to. And I, you know, we've known each other for now, probably 11 years and it's, uh, he's, he's been huge in my life. What's, uh, what's, you know, if you can nail it down to, I mean, obviously there's multiple, uh, communication issues in business, but what, what's one of the, what the biggest problems these days for, for the way we communicate in our businesses? So two things that I'm going through this right now, right? One is, is the, the typed word is a problem and I'll, I'll say it that way, right? So whether it be text or email, not getting the body language behind it, the tones and the rest of it, that's a huge problem hmm. because it almost always gets misinterpreted from the way that the, that the sender means it. And that tends to spiral things out of control a lot. So that's, that's clearly one piece. The other piece, again, is this whole, I mean, it's tied, but it's a whole face-to-face, right? And people being so incredibly sensitive about everything that is said, not everything is meant the way that it comes across as it is many times as written. Hmm. You know, I think people want, it's funny, they say they want this. They say they want it to be very black and white, and it's not, Um Nothing is ever totally black or white. Never, never is anything totally right or totally wrong. Mm. It's always somewhere in the middle, right? And so another one of my, I don't know, different type of mentor, right? But somebody else I look up to, right, is Simon Sinek. Mm-hmm. And, and Simon does this whole thing on balance that has had a huge impact on my life. And it's, it's about the fact that, you know, balance doesn't mean you're standing still, right? You're still kind of going back and forth at a little bit, not a lot, but a little right? To maintain balance. Same thing is true, right? With this, there's always a little give and take and there's a little bit of gray area. People don't like to live in the gray, but they, they think they want to live in the black and the white and they really don't, right? Mm. They really, most people live in the gray, but there's kind of this euphoric concept that, Hey, the grass is always greener. It's always better elsewhere. I think that all of that kind of creates issues when really, and again, in the same speech from Simon, he talks about, you know, Hey, this, it's about the journey. It's about the journey you're on with the people that you're on and, you know, loving the journey, having fun on the journey. You know, if there's a pot of gold at the end of a rainbow, great, but that's not the end goal. The goal is the journey. And I got to be honest with you. I have a phenomenal team across all three companies. There's not a person I would trade out on the journey with them. Yeah. Um, it is a joy. I think they enjoy me. That would probably be a question for them. <laughs> but, uh, 
you know, I think that it's, that's the fun part is, is walking the journey and people have got to enjoy the journey and not get so upset about small things, especially when they can be misinterpreted and email and text, whatever the case may be. Not that there aren't some things that cross the line and those need to be addressed, but for the majority of it, you know, I get a lot of, you know, I, here's another example. I just had one the other day where I had a salesperson who's also a designer and they said, Hey, I'm tired of designing. I don't want to design. And they were at war with one of the designers. And I went and talked to the designer and the designer's like, I don't understand why they're designing. That's my job. Hmm. It's like, okay, well, if you two would just communicate, it would go away. Right? right. And that's exactly what ended up happening. I had a meeting with the two of them and the designer said, yeah, I want to do the design. And the salesperson said, I don't want to do the design and problem solved. Somehow in all the communication and the emails, it got lost. Yeah. But that was the whole question at the bottom of it. So, you know, I think being open-minded is key with people and giving people grace and giving them the benefit of the doubt that, you know, nobody's trying to be malicious. We've all got the same goals. We're all trying to do a good job, drive the organization, make money so that we can do the things we want with our families and then have time with our families. That's really it. Nobody's trying to get, you know, super wealthy. Nobody's trying to take advantage of anybody. It's all about that entire journey. Mm. Well, let me move on to the lightning round so I can, okay. <laughs> I can do this. I don't want to, I don't want to keep you too long. So no I'm going to, I'm going to do this. So, uh, so complete this sentence. Nice guys and gals finish first. What's a nice book you recommend to the nice makers? Uh, failing forward. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good book. Uh, book. yeah, yeah. How is, uh, Pat nice to himself? Ooh, probably my weakest thing. Um, I love business and I find joy in other people's happiness. Hmm. And so by keeping them happy, that's probably how I'm nicest to myself. And if you had a billboard, what would it say? It would say, come work with me and enjoy the journey. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me today, Pat. This has been fun. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it very much. Thanks for listening to the nice podcast. I would love to include your voice on the show. If you have comments or questions regarding this episode or any episode, whether you might have some nice communications tips of your own, visit friend.nicepodcast.co. There, you can record an audio comment, and I expect you'll hear it on an upcoming episode. Theme song is Little Jane May, and the end song is Funny Feeling by Alistair Crystal at alistaircrystal.ca. And we'll see you next time. Be nice.